welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by TCT. I'm Laura Griffiths and I'm joined by TCT senior content producer Sam Davis for another editorial roundtable where we discuss the biggest 3D printing news stories from the last month. Hello Sam, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Freezing cold. Are you, yeah? Yes. Oh. I complained all day in the office yesterday that I was cold and I was desperate to get home so that I wouldn't be cold. Now I'm in my home and I'm still freezing cold. Well, this is the thing. So obviously last week we had really nice weather and somebody in the office decided that meant that the radiators could just be turned off now mm-hmm. and nobody could be bothered turning them back on, <laughs> which meant we spent the whole week, you know, freezing. But, but also, like, it was the end of March. Why did... And it's, you know, Britain. Why did we think we were in the clear that we could just, you know, not not use the central heating? Because we do this every single time. Because last week the headlines were, wow, we've got a heat wave. And the next thing, a cold frost, the UK freeze. We, we do we do extremes, Sam. You know there's no middle ground for us. There was, there was literally snow on the way home yesterday. <laughs> As I was driving home, I could see snow hitting my windscreen. And I was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's basically April. So um, if you hear a shivering on me um, slurping, it's because I've got a cup of coffee to warm my hands. <laughs> I have not got a warm drink, and that was a massive oversight. It was. Cut for five minutes to let Sam go get a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> so the top stories we're going to cover today are Zortrax withdrawing from Rusatom, additive technologies investment, XJet delivering its first Carmel 1400M metal 3D printer, GE Aviation Singapore facility repairing engine parts at volume with metal additive manufacturing. And also some news from within the TCT group as well, including our partnership with SME on the Rapid Plus TCT event and the nominees for this year's TCT awards. But before we do, don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to Additive Insight wherever you get your podcast. And for even more Additive Insight, head over to tctmagazine.com and get your free print subscription to TCT Mag. On to our first story. So Zortrax withdraws from Rusatom Additive Technologies investment negotiations following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Sam, you covered this one earlier this month. Yeah, so this was announced, I think, um, about a week or so after uh, Russia's latest wave of aggression against Ukraine, which had started in late February now. I think it's over a month since that happened. Um, and prior to the Russian invasions or tracks that it wasn't public knowledge was negotiating with Rusatom Additive Technologies for the sale of shares in order to raise funds and boost its polymer 3D printing offering. Um, Zortrax, of course, has a portfolio of uh, half a dozen 3D printing systems, which includes the Enderreal extrusion machine, the Inkspire resin platform, and then it's got a series of M300 and M200 extrusion machines as well. Uh, the company's also got a big range of polymer filaments and resins and has also rolled out the Z-Suite slicing and file management software to underpin uh, the hardware materials. And, and with that offering, it's attracted the business of uh, the likes of NASA, Bosch um, and the European Space Agency. And so having had that success, it also appealed to Rusatom Additive Technologies and that company was founded in 2018 opened its first additive technology center last year, I think, where it has installed SLM machines, SLS machines, and mm-hmm. SLA, SLA 3D printing capabilities as well. Um, and that business is a subsidiary of TVEL Fuel Company, which comes under the umbrella of 
Rosatom, which is an energy company owned by the Russian state, uh, which was set up in 2007 and therefore um, is technically founded by Vladimir Putin. Um, and so although negotiations were ongoing between the two organizations, which might have seen under 50% of uh, Zortrax's shares sold for up to $65 million, Zortrax decided to halt proceedings um, with their CEO saying that Russian aggression against Ukraine left us all shocked and outraged. It also rendered it absolutely clear that Zortrax's mission cannot and will not be financed with money that made this aggression possible. So they then decided to to stop negotiations where they were. Um, and yeah, I think that is a pretty big and bold decision to make um, for a company in a pretty crowded market to kind of walk away from $65 million worth, which mm-hmm. is a, a lot of money. Um, but I'm sure we can all understand their, their reasons for doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, it's a huge sum of money. And, you know, we're seeing so many investment stories, acquisition stories in 3D printing. And this felt like um, the big one for, for Zortrax in a time of a, of a lot of investment. But absolutely, Sam, you can, in the, the decision that they've made, it's in line with a lot of the decisions that other companies across the world, not just in additive manufacturing, mm-hmm. obviously, that are making uh, similar stands. You know, some of the things just within the additive manufacturing industry, you know, include several companies releasing a statement earlier this month to pledging that they're suspending any business in Russia. So that's companies like 3D Systems, Stratasys. So really the, the majors within our industry and EOS CEO Marie Langer has been very vocal um, about the company's stance, you know, which has also suspended work with its Russian customers with only making a few exceptions um, in clear cases of humanitarian or, or, or medical needs. Um, and then there are also some other companies as well reacting in in slightly smaller ways, but, you know, almost in the same way that many individuals are as well. It's companies like Dimension offering up their unused office space as a safe place for families from Ukraine. So we're seeing all these different different things happening from within our industry but this really felt like like the the big one and the one that that, that seems to have um the, the biggest impact yeah i think especially you made a good point about there being so much investment activity within am so if you think about it from that angle a lot of zortrax's competitors will have raised funds in in the last couple of years um or have been involved in you know in mergers and acquisitions mm. um and and in this scenario, Zortrax were, you know, I don't, I don't know how many extrusion companies in the last two years have raised as much as sixty-five million at once. I can't mm-hmm. imagine it's too many, but they then have to or feel they have to walk away from that, which, I, you know, is the right thing to do. But from a business sense, probably is a bit of a bump in the road for them, and they now have to go and, you know, find and secure that investment elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess in the context of the activity in the AM industry over the last two years, that was an even bigger call to make because mm-hmm. plenty of others will have will have had the benefit of um, you know, procuring funding, um, albeit maybe not from from the same place that Zortrax were getting it from, but they'll have had that boost and, and Zortrax now will have to go and look for it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So moving on to our next story and it's a machine delivery, uh, this time from XJet. So they have delivered their first Carmel 1400M metal 3D printing system to Azov, which is an on-demand additive manufacturing service provider based in Michigan. And um, so Azov um, is a company that was founded uh, based on 
a, a demand that a group of companies called the EWIE group um, really saw for additive manufacturing. This group already provides high volume additive manufacturing capabilities for companies like Ford, uh, Rolls-Royce, Chrysler. Um, so this company already uses quite a few different types of metal 3D printing. So they've already got machines from desktop metal and um, digital metal. But they're said to have invested in XJet technology, which is its nanoparticle jetting technology, uh, to meet the demand for small, complex and high definition parts. And they're said to have been really impressed by the technology's ability to produce um, parts with small holes, sharp corners, refined surface finishes, and do that without the need to, to post-process. Um, Azov says it's expecting the machine to be a good fit for medical, automotive, and tooling applications. And they also see it as well positioned to offer prototyping and production on the same system, which is something we hear a lot about in additive manufacturing, the ability to go from that um, end-to-end development process all using the same technology, using the same system. Um, XJet Metal AM technology has been in the works for some time. We first heard about it as early as 2016. They've talked about it a lot. We've seen um, some developments, but we've mainly seen activity from XJet on the ceramic 3D printing side. So with the ceramic caramel systems, which have been installed by companies like um, there's a dental company called the Strauman Group um, and also um, technology centers like the Manufacturing Technology Center here in the UK. Um, so the first customer announcement for this metal system is actually the first indication of the commercial launch of its metal 3D printing offering, uh, which is great, really, because we're very used to seeing technologies get announced. And then it's a while before we see them in the market or hear of any people actually using the machine. So it's great. They've kind of announced the availability of this now with um, this actual installation of a machine. But in the interim, we've seen lots of incremental updates about XJet's uh, metal technology. And the most recent and perhaps the most significant was the launch of its smart post-processing station, which can be used for both ceramic and metal parts. But the idea is it can automate the removal of support material through a very simple water-based process. Sam, me and you have seen draws and I um, several times now demonstrating this um, post-processing technology using just a, a humble uh, pot of water um, and dissolving some supports from parts there. Uh, but this is a, a fully industrialized um, automated version of this process, which you've seen a few times now over the years. But they've developed this with production in mind and with companies like Azov really looking to use this technology for production. It's just another um, part of that workflow that really is going to help to speed up and streamline the process and make sure that all parts come out looking exactly the same um, and do so in a really rapid way. Mm, I remember seeing, I think it was my first, maybe my first format because I'd have only been in the industry for a year, but I remember seeing the machine um, and seeing all the videos and draw plonked a, a vr headset on my head um <laughs> and it just looked like such a different technology to to the the rest and it it had so much promise and what i what i liked about this announcement um earlier in the month just from a marketing and like pr standpoint was that xjet weren't afraid to use the word finally shipped in the <laughs> system whereas i think a lot of companies in the space were just kind of gloss over the fact that they launched it years ago and it hasn't really started moving yet. Um, whereas they just kind of accepted that obviously um, it's taken them a little longer than maybe they'd hoped. But um, I spoke to them a lot back then between like 2017 and 2018. I went over to Israel to see the newly opened AM Center and they were always talking about um, this this nanoparticle jet and technology is their way into production but in particular metals um and they you know obviously they 
they were involved in Object um, way back when, which was eventually acquired by Stratasys, and they, they'd never believed that the same opportunities with photopolymers would be afforded to them in, in the way that they would with, with metals and ceramics. And they're really going for that, you know, short series production, end use parts. Um, and they, they kind of said they want to do what they did with Object. I mean, they were a bit more coy on the exit strategy um, when I asked them about that. I mean, the landscape, as we've touched on and talked about in plenty of podcasts, has changed given there's so much M&A activity and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to see that they finally got there with the metal technology because it, it does look like an interesting process mm. um, and it does look like there'll be a lot of opportunities. And I think it's great that it's a service provider that's kind of the first to get their hands on it because, you know, it, it, I mean, it might be nice if it was just, you know, one manufacturer manufacturing one kind of part but with with as being a service provider there'll be a load of applications hopefully to come from this um mm-hmm. and and i'm really looking forward to seeing what um end users do with it and how they use it um because i do i do think there's a lot um a lot of potential with this technology mm-hmm. and speaking of applications moving on to our next story now which is from earlier this week so um g aviation has announced its facility in singapore is repairing commercial jet engine components with metal additive manufacturing technology uh, so sam you did cover this one um earlier today uh, do you want to talk a little bit about this yeah so um the engine services singapore division of g aviation um i think it i think it employs about 1700 people and it accounts for more than 60 percent of GE Aviation's global repair volume mm-hmm. um, and it started now since the since the end of last year really to use um, the concept laser M2 machine uh, to repair commercial jet engine components um, so they had the parameters set for this over in in like Germany and and America and then they've really been rolling out um, the technology in Singapore with a, a production line doing loads of trials and tests and they're already repairing parts for the CF6 engine, which is G Aviation's best-selling commercial engine for wide-body aircraft. And it's also putting plans in place to roll out the technology for the repair of parts for its CFM56 engine, which is the best-selling engine in commercial aviation history, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, I think it's quite a significant development um, for G, but for the industry as well to to have um you know metal am technology um used for this kind of application where there's going to be loads of volumes and, and loads of benefits um traditionally the repair of um they started on some like turbine blades with the um the cf6 engine and traditionally the repair of a part like that would require a process of cutting welding and grinding to to get to the right shape and now the company's using what i think might be proprietary image analysis software to map the shape of a used blade and then create customized instructions for the the m2 machine um and then a new tip is built with precise alignment and profile while also saving on time and costs um that are associated with labor and machining um and the parts are being printed at near net shape and then there's apparently minimal additional processing so um it sounds like a really interesting development um down in singapore um and obviously you know g have done loads and loads of good work in in the aviation space um with metal am and 
this is just the latest kind of development of of that application mm. and we already know that you know how many uh metal 3d printed systems that, that ge has across all, mm. all of its businesses you know it's a it's a real super user of, of the technology and of course has its own additive business as well so it's no surprise that it's a company like that's kind of leading the way with this sort of thing but we, we had a feature in the most recent issue of tct um discussing using additive manufacturing for repair and we talked about on kind of a, a small more um, consumer-led scale but the idea of using additive manufacturing for repair processes and and, and spare parts is it, it's been done for for a very very long time but i think sometimes it still sounds like a bit of an emerging application area and i'm interested with this one sam you know do, do we know whether i know that the part's been printed at, at near net shape and then and then post-processed afterwards but are they redesigning the parts at all are they just making them as as they are because we know that one of the benefits of additive manufacturing and repairing with additive manufacturing is the ability to potentially go in maybe redesign a part a bit better so that you don't need as many parts on it on a component or you know you can make it slightly better is, is there anything like that happening i would imagine not because of certification mm. issues i would i would think i'm sure the capability would be there but um i do know that the the, the challenge they have really is that obviously when the part goes out into the field and is in service the wear and tear and the erosion um is is different from part to part so there's no uniform way of, of doing it really but um that's where the you know the um image analysis software comes in to then just you know kind of reform the the part and it goes back out but i don't i wouldn't imagine that there's any redesign um there might be maybe kind of long term um some some look at the way the parts are performing and then they use that information and, and data to to inform the next iteration but i wouldn't imagine a part comes in it gets redesigned it goes back out because mm. there would be that certification um barrier in the way and that's why we still always refer to the ge loop fuel nozzle because it's so hard to get a new metal aerospace part into production <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's funny because I think there's a lot of because um, GE Aviation is obviously GE Additive's biggest customer, and I think there's a lot of um, people maybe turn their nose up at that. But when you when you hear things like they that GE Aviation have the best selling engine in commercial aviation history, it's still quite a big customer to have, hmm. um, and quite significant, I would say, because obviously GE Aviation aren't going to do GE Additive any favors. They still need to, you know, meet the certifications and, and meet the requirements of their customers. Um, and I think, a, you know, a development like this and a story like this really shows the the, the big potential of GE acquiring GE Additive and, and bringing AM and, and really betting big on AM and then, you know, deploying that technology in cases like this. Today's episode is sponsored by 3D Systems. Here, Sam Green, 3D Systems Professional Printer Category Manager, discusses advancements in polymer materials to increase AM repeatability, productivity, and part performance. 
know that 3D printing has been moving for some time now from a predominantly prototyping tool to a manufacturing tool. And the real end game really is for 3D printing not to replace traditional manufacturing, but to support that adding breadth and depth and agility and complexities are where it's uh, really required. SLS is a great contender for producing uh, plastic, true plastic parts, thermoplastics in PA12, nylons. However, the drawback of many thermoplastic technologies has been the process by which these individual layers of the parts are melded together. So large thermal discrepancies can occur typically across either a single part where you display different mechanical properties at one end of the part and different mechanical properties at the other end. And the same is true if you have a batch of parts. But what we've really done, we've created the new SLS 380 3D printer. And this is designed to deliver consistent and repeatable parts. So we've installed eight individually controlled heaters. And then we've installed a high resolution IR camera that's able to take 100,000 thermal data samples from within the build chamber every second. So the system's algorithm is able to quickly identify any areas where there's high thermal gradient uh, or very low thermal gradient, and then it immediately adjusts the duty cycle of the relevant heater to remove that thermal discrepancy and ensure a more consistent sintering process. And ultimately, this uh, temperature stability creates significantly higher part yields and ultimately a more efficient process and even lower part costs. You guys have talked a lot about advancing the science and one of those areas is photopolymer resins. Can you just elaborate on how you're leveraging that to deliver production grade part performance there? We've been able to develop a series of novel patented chemistries and these have really opened the door to the first true production ready photopolymers for additive manufacturing. So we started this process for the figure four 3D printer with our tough black 20 material. This along with other production grade materials that we've released since then, all these materials are tested to demonstrate that they can retain most of their mechanical properties and typically up to eight years indoor and two years outdoor. 30 years ago, 3D Systems invented the SLA 3D printing uh, technology, uh, which uses a vector laser to scan and cure resins in a vat. In contrast to that, the figure four, it still uses a vat, of course, but it replaces that laser with a projector-based imaging system that cures a whole layer at a time rather than point by point. So the great advantage of this is, of course, uh, speed. Figure four is unique in that it is a non-contact membrane technology, which means the part does not come into contact with a transparent layer at the bottom of the print tray. So the end game has always been to port over the revolutionary material advances we've made from the projector-based figure four to our SLA range, such as the Pro X800. Back in July, we launched the first of these materials. It's called the Acura AMX Rigid Black, a high-strength uh, production-grade SLA material with really good environmentally stabilized properties that can withstand years of indoor outdoor UV and humidity exposure it's ideal for large one-to-one scale automotive consumer durable mounts frames jigs fixtures or internal frames in things like such as uh, white goods but taken together we now have a very powerful solution mix when it comes to resins if you need small batch quantities of tens to hundreds of thousands of production grade plastic parts the figure four is an excellent solution and now if you need large one-to-one scale, large production parts. We now have our SLA platform with the first in our range of Acura AMX materials. To learn more about long-term resin performance and industrial scale SLS workflow solutions, visit mytct.co forward slash 3D systems pod or mytct.co forward slash pod SLS. And moving on to our last segment now, and I'm sorry, but it's all TCT related news. 
Um, so um, TCT owners of Rap- Rapid News Publications and SME, organisers of Rapid Plus TCT, um, have announced um, a renewal of a strategic alliance that will see the organisations continue to produce the annual Rapid Plus TCT 3D manufacturing event in North America. Um, so this organised, sorry, this partnership was first announced back in 2017, uh, combining over three decades of experience within the additive manufacturing industry. And now we're continuing this partnership, uh, working more closely with the guys um, on the conference, which we've done for this year, which I'm going to talk about um, in a moment. But it's very exciting. I'm excited to get back to Detroit um, in May and to um, see everybody and to, you know, just actually go to Rapid for, for, uh, for the first time in over two years. It would be three years, wouldn't it? I think by the three time years. Wow. Okay. Because it would have been May. Might have been late May twenty nineteen. I can't really remember, but it definitely <sighs> would have been May twenty nineteen, which is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Bonkers. So we're looking forward to getting back to that, and I'm particularly excited because um we've just announced the lineup for the conference, which, as I said, we've been working really closely with the team at SME um, to develop this year's conference lineup. Um, our great conference producer, uh, Lou, has been working super hard um to put this together. Um, so we just want to talk about just a few of the things that you can expect uh, from this year's conference. We have more than 200 industry experts set to deliver um, additive manufacturing talks, panels, um, thought leadership discussions, keynote addresses. Um, this year's keynotes will include Barbara Humpton, who is the president and CEO of Siemens USA, Brian Borman, chief engineer with Honeywell Aerospace, and Carolyn Nowinski-Collins, MD, CEO of Dimension Inks. So there's, um, the lineup is now available on um, our website and also um, over on rapid3devent.com. So go and check that out there. Um, there really is something for everyone on this lineup. We have kind of taken our um, evaluation, adoption, optimization framework and, and taken that over um, to the event. There are talks for, for beginners. There are talks of people that are really looking to optimize their process. There are loads of application talks from various industries. We have covered um, aerospace, um, automotive, healthcare, heavy industry, construction, oil and gas. There are so many things that this this technology can have an impact in. And, and I'm pretty sure we have it covered across this entire conference lineup. Um, Sam, any highlights for you? Um, yeah, I, I just I think the, the keynote lineup in particular is really good. It's quite a good range of speakers, and what I quite like about it is everyone knows Siemens and everyone knows Honeywell, but I certainly am not overly familiar with Dimension Inks. Um, mm. And just looking at their website, it looks like they're doing some really cool stuff. You know, their business is in regenerative solutions, um, and it sounds as if this talk will look at the capability of AM within medical and kind of a, almost a, in the context of the hype for want of a better word because um, this is an industry where you know the technology is championed enthusiastically and is doing amazing work um, and you know when it comes to things like bioprinting maybe people um, particularly in the mainstream media get ahead of themselves slightly so it'll be interesting to 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 see what they have to say and then you know Honeywell um, kind of shedding light on the change within aerospace manufacturing mm. um, with metal AM will be interesting, and and Siemens. You know, we've we've done a load of um, content around Siemens, their energy division, their mobility division, um, and how they're using the technology. And then I think even this week they've they've made some announcements with the likes of Robos. Um, so they're investing big on the technology. So it'd be interesting to to get their perspectives as well on. Um, 
on their use of the technology um and i think they're going to going to touch on things like resiliency and, and economic growth as well so it'll be mm. interesting to see what they say yeah we've also got talks from companies like mayo clinic general motors uh, the boeing company the u.s army um as i say it really does cross all industries and the conference this year split up into some key focus areas too so alongside industries and applications we're looking at am solutions the am ecosystem and research and development and one of the areas that i'm really looking forward to is um i think fairly new to the conference lineup we're, we're going to talk about the challenges uh, within uh, the additive manufacturing workforce so people and culture and um, just talking about how we can embrace diversity and um, kind of like old school versus uh, new school lessons learned in the industry those types of things so i'm very much looking forward to, to having a look at that because it's something Sam that you and I have, have tried to um, spend a lot of time on this year and, and I'm interested to hear those perspectives. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, we, we did a we did a feature for International Women's Day this month um, that I'd encourage you all to go and read because it would kind of defeat the point if I just, as a man, start <laughs> talking about all of the stuff that they say. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hopefully get a chance to see some of it. Obviously, when we're at a trade show or we don't always um get to see as much of the conference as we'd like um but but hopefully we'll be able to to sit in on some of those sessions yeah definitely um, and lastly, uh, from the TCT Group News, we have our finalists for the TCT Awards. Uh, we've been through the difficult task of narrowing down the many submissions we had for this year's 11 categories. Um, and after hours of deliberation in the TCT office, and I won't lie, helped by sausage rolls and donuts, uh, mm. we now have our finalists. Um, I'm not going to run through every single finalist because it is quite a long list. So I encourage you to go to either tcmagazine.com or tcawards.com uh, to find that out but um, we have our TCT Aerospace Award Consumer Award, Creative Application Award Hardware for Polymers, Hardware for Non-Polymers, Healthcare Award Industrial Product Award, Materials Post-Processing, Software and Transport Application Award and of course we'll also be doing um, our annual although I guess we can't really say it's annual anymore because everybody's just missed two years of their life um, mm-hmm. inductions to the TCT Hall of Fame and also this year's TCT Women in 3D Printing Innovator Award winner as well so lots to look forward to the awards takes place um in the middle of tct 360 this year so that's on the 8th of june um in birmingham there are um all the information to to attend the event is on tctawards.com um and it's a really fun night we'd love you if you'd come and spend it with us and, and and celebrate the the winners in the industry um sam are you looking forward to the awards i am yeah it's um it's another one where you realize it's i guess because of the dates this one's only two and a half years, but it, it may as well be three years. It feels ages ago since we were last at um, an awards ceremony. But talking of the of the meeting we sat in to go through all of the applications, there were such a great volume of, particularly the, the applications, just really good uses of the technology. Yeah. Um, and I, okay, granted, there's a, a longer submission period because of the pandemic going back to 2019. But um, I think... Um, to you know, to get to the point where um, our expert advisory judge, which is the winner and which is the highly commended, and unfortunately, which of the um, shortlisted applicants don't pick up an award, I think that's going to be really tough in most of mm. those categories because there's just there's so many good applications. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think I'm involved in that, which I'm I'm more than happy with, <laughs> unless of course there are more sausage rolls and donuts. Yeah, okay, so I'm livid. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. It's uh, there were some really great submissions, and it was tough trying to trying to whittle them down to a shortlist. And I think as well, and this doesn't make us very good um, journalists sound, but there's so many that I think you and I had never heard of, and some great applications from mm. users like um, Volkswagen. Uh, there's a there's a, a tooling nozzle that's one of the um, one of the finalists. There is a story from BMW as well, which is something I kind of caught caught a glimpse of at mm. Formnex, but you know didn't really know an awful lot about it. But just reading the submission and, and and the technology that was used to produce it and and what what this concept could potentially um show for like future applications of technology um there's just some really exciting stuff in here so i, I do encourage you to go and, and have a look at the shortlist and um i'm sure that over the next few months sam and i'll be covering um some of these uh, finalist stories in more detail too definitely i'd say that's the added benefit of the award for us selfishly is that the the ones that slip through on that because i you know, there's loads in there that we have covered. If you think of the the SLM and Safran, Bizjet mm. landing gear, the um, the B Hero application, and the scaffold coupler in the industrial category, there's plenty in there that we have covered. But for the ones that you know have passed us by, we basically get all of the information given to us, and then um, can just make our way through and and try yeah. and um, you know interview as as many as we can. I I spoke to someone yesterday about a. Uh, an award finalist i'm speaking to somebody today about another so um we are we are going to get through some of them um and they will be featured in in tct magazine so i guess this has turned into a bit of a subscription plug as well but <laughs> go to the mag website and do that Cheers. you've just saved me a job at the end sam so thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> um but if you do like what you hear don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and um, to additive insight and as sam said you can go to tcmagazine.com to get your free print subscription to the magazine sam you're busy next week you're going to be at amog i am i'm busy this week as well because um i've obviously got stuff to do before i get to amog in terms of work but then there's also the the low level anxiety of do you know what you're doing when you get to the airport yeah. you've got everything prepared and even though I'm pretty confident I have because I've checked every day of this week there's still that thing in the back of my mind saying mm, is there something else though is there something you're not remembering so once I get past uh you know the check-in desk mm-hmm. um and and you know plunk myself in the airport and find somewhere um to have a bit of breakfast and a coffee I will then be looking forward to AMUG. Um, I've got loads, loads of meetings planned, more than I normally would, um, I think, for AMUG. But particularly on that first Monday, I'm like back to back to back. But I am looking forward to just um, getting back to an event again. And weirdly, which does not match my personality, actually networking and going to talk to people because there's a lot <laughs> of people that's going to be there that because of the pandemic, I've worked with and been you know exchanging emails with or being on video calls with that i've not physically met so it'll be good to do that um and there's a good few um conference sessions that i'm looking forward to um dropping in on um so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it and then obviously there's there's the perks of the off-site event and just the fact that it's a bit like an all-inclusive holiday they they feed you from morning until night so it's great looking forward to it yeah, so you know when your family members and friends go, oh, it's just a life of Riley for you, going away yeah. on these work trips, you've really just not helped yourself with that last statement. No, that is true. This is the only one, though. I, th- I, I mm, Does it even feel like that because you've also busy in the day? It is very busy, but it, it is also fun. And even like the expo in the evening, there's technically work. Okay, you might have a beer in your hand. But you're <laughs> technically working. 
Um, so it, they're long days, but they're, it is good fun. Um, so yeah, looking forward to being back there. And what's good as well is it's another one of those events where you can really, for us at least, pick up three or four things um, that that sort you out for the rest of the year in terms of the mag. Um, mm. So I'm sure there'll be there'll be plenty of conversations I have there, or conversations that I eavesdrop on that um that we can use for, for content for the mag so um yeah i've then got to come back and do all of that work which <laughs> is you know that is the work even if being in chicago and and all of the perks that come with that amog isn't work in anyone's opinion the aftermath definitely is work um and yeah there's a lot of it so yeah it balances out yeah, and just just to you know, the small mention of you've got a week, and then we've got another magazine to put together. <laughs> yeah, don't talk to me about that because I've done nothing for it. I don't know when I'm finding the time to actually write up um, that content, but it'll get done. You'll do it. You're 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 back at home next. Okay. Week. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's your responsibility, Laura. Thanks very much. That is what eight-hour plane rides are for, though, Sam. Not no, it's for, not. Not eight for watching eight movies. rides are for watching movies that you'd never otherwise watch. True. And it's Very for true. nothing else. So <laughs> that's all I'll be doing. Don't I know I know you're my boss and everything, but I'm I'm not on board with doing work on the plane. Now you can probably justify it. There are plenty of films where you'll see a reference to 3D printing. So if you want to get away with it, the recent James Bond film does have several 3D printers in it if you want to try and, and put a work angle on that. And funnily enough, I am in a mug next week talking to people about that very thing. Um, <laughs> That's so, true. And I might, maybe I'll mention James Bond also <laughs> in the article. Um, I've, I did notice that is on the BA entertainment system and I haven't seen it. So ah. this will be the time to, to watch it. Well, enjoy, Sam. I'm going to be a little bit jealous. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and thank you all for listening uh, and we'll see you all again next time bye